Welcome once again, and let's officially start. <laughs> Can you please tell us what is trauma and what are some of the signs and symptoms? How would one recognize it? So I'm going to give you the SAMHSA definition of trauma. SAMHSA is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. Um, as becoming a clinical mental health counselor, this is an affiliation that we um, pay attention to very closely. They are highly regarded in the area of trauma and trauma-informed care. So their definition is trauma is a widespread, harmful, and costly public health problem. It occurs as a result of violence, abuse, neglect, loss, disaster, war, and other emotionally harmful experiences. Trauma has no boundaries with regard to age, gender, socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity, geography, or sexual orientation. It is an almost universal experience of people with mental and substance use disorders. The need to address trauma is increasingly viewed as an important component of effective behavioral health service delivery. Additionally, it has become evident that addressing trauma requires a multi-pronged, multi-agency public health approach, inclusive of public education and awareness, prevention and early identification, and effective trauma-specific assessment and treatment. So that's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, it's a really fancy way of saying that, um, you know, suffering is a universal human experience, you know, basic Buddhist principle. Um, most people do endure trauma to some extent, and, um, we really need to combat trauma in a multidisciplinary way. There's no really one way or right way. Not everything works for everybody, but I will say from the clinical standpoint, outside of being a yoga teacher and understanding the energetics of what you know, yoga um, and Ayurveda do for people. Um, clinically speaking, we really need evidentiary supported practices. And we know that, you know, therapy is invaluable. Um, and we also know that community care, having intervention resources and support is undeniably really your best tools. It's very hard to come out of trauma alone. That isolation is what really digs everything deeper. That's why there's uh, group therapy is so huge on top of individual therapy or family therapy. So it's really a dynamic approach that's necessary. Um, some of the signs of trauma, you know, it can be very subtle. Some people actually um, use this, their sense of humor. You might see someone who was not really a social person become almost excessively social. You might see a very extroverted person become deeply introverted and withdraw. Um, you know, suicidal ideation. Um, and that could be anything from getting rid of prized possessions or just um, saying things to people kind of subtly like, well, if I weren't here, and if you're not adept at understanding that there might be something more to that under the surface, um, you might miss it, you know? Um, it could be a lot of times people become very um, sexually active, uh, at a, at especially at a young age. 
you'll see a lot of um, post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms. Mm -hmm. So people are talking very fast, talking very loud, kind of like very frantic, can't calm down. Um, and then you can see a lot of under-functioning and over-functioning. So it's, the amazing thing is, is how different people can respond. You know, the trauma response is not always so specific. Mm -hmm. Over-functioning would look like um, someone taking on the world. They're doing a million things at once. They can't sit still. And then under-functioning might be somebody who can't get out of bed and go to work. Yeah, you know, wow. they just can't function. Um, okay. So it's tricky. It's very tricky because it's not always noticeable. Mm -hmm. And okay. um, as far as um, as far as targeting it uh, for people who think, well, how would I know? Mm -hmm. I think that if oh, there's a red flag, whether it's family dynamic or a friendship. Um, or you're just, your intuition's kicking in and you're thinking something isn't right here. Um, there's hotlines for everything. There's, mm -hmm. you can go and Google community support for trauma, you know, trauma resources in your county, in your state, and you'll get a host of things that pop up, make a phone call and get that person help. Oftentimes we're afraid we're going to lose the friendship or lose the partnership, but at the mm -hmm. end of the day, um, their anger and disappointment is part of the trauma healing and they will get over it. Your job is to get the person help um, and not worry so much about how they're going to respond to it, especially if you think it's a life and death situation. Mm, wow, very interesting. So I guess you actually answered my next question. Um, what causes trauma? So Oh gosh, it you know, and here's the other thing about trauma is that uh, you and I could go through the same experience, but mm -hmm. I might handle it completely differently. Whether mm -hmm. my nervous system is just a little bit stronger in the moment, mm -hmm. or we just have different dispositions, constitutionally mm -hmm. speaking. Um, so causes of trauma a lot of times are abuse, mm -hmm. um, neglect, you know, a child being very neglected. So no access to food or you know, they're wearing the same clothing every day. They have holes in their shoes. So there's a lot of, you know, embarrassment, feelings of unworthiness. Um, substance abuse is huge. You see substance abuse and trauma going hand in hand. Uh, it could be a car accident, a natural disaster. And wow. the thing I think people forget is you don't actually have to be in the trauma. I like to use 9-11 in America as a example of that. All you saw over and over on the news were these planes crashing into the buildings. So that's mm -hmm. secondary and tertiary trauma. You know, the primary trauma was the people that were there witnessing it. And yes. then, well, really in it. And then the secondary is witnessing it. And then us watching it on TV, I would consider to be more tertiary. But that's mm -hmm. very traumatic. I mean, people really couldn't come up from that just watching it on TV, understanding what was happening and trying to process it. So any natural disaster like the tsunamis um, in Sri Lanka was a horrible global disaster. And even though we're not there, that global trauma really does affect us, um, all of us. We're, we're processing that in various ways. And then there's also generational trauma 
And so an example of that would be, um, you know, all of the women in my family, most of them were in abusive relationships and a lot of the husbands were drinkers. And so uh, we all kind of were fulfilling that cycle. Um, and until you have the awareness and the tools to understand that this is gen- generational trauma and I, I have a choice, you know, choice is empowerment. I have a choice. I can, I can choose different. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I didn't understand that until I left. I, I had the courage and the strength to leave. And then I did the work of understanding that I was repeating these cycles, that there was a name for it. And that I had choices and that I could heal, you know, myself so mm-hmm. that better opportunities would open. Cause we tend to attract the same person in those situations. It could even be a friendship. And mm-hmm. you're like, why am I always attracting the friends that are taking from me mm-hmm. and, you know, abusing me or walking all over me. And really that's part of the healing. Um, and then when you work on that internally, externally, new, new opportunity, new people show up. And so, you know, the work is working, you know, people say, how do I know it's working? It it could take years. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Trauma is very hard to overcome. It's not an overnight process. It takes a lot of nurturance and a lot of nourishment. And I love the term self-care and I loathe the term self-care because I think self-care has become very superficial. I love community care. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen a person come out of trauma without getting involved in the community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time that looks like volunteering. So they say, when in need, do a good deed, right? Mm-hmm. I'm hurting and I need to help that hurt. So I'm going to reach out and I'm going to help other people. And that's so deeply soulfully healing, even though they might not be seeing it. Um, that subtle change in thinking, getting out of your own way, um, taking your mess, making it your message that Mm -hmm. starts to happen over time. Um, and that's really part of the therapeutic process as well is that community care, whether it's group therapy or volunteering or going to a, an AA meeting or an NA meeting, um, smart recovery, you know, the, the tools are endless and all of these organizations that I'm kind of spewing, I know very quickly, but they're international, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and now being so, uh, tied to our computers with the pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. it's even more accessible because you can just hop online and and you can access all of these community resources with a click of a button, you know, Mm -hmm. telemedic health is very big now. So, um, it's almost more accessible in, in a way. Okay, so um, I'll actually come back. I've actually got a question from what you just mentioned, but I'll write it down. Um, what can you tell me? Can trauma be cured? It can. I don't like the word cure because I feel like then the person that is in in deep trauma um, has so much pressure on themselves to quote unquote cure it. Um, drama, by the way, you know, people say, oh, that person is just, oh, they're always so dramatic. And I always say drama's unhealed trauma. People who are tend to be very dramatic in that type of way that's noticeable and uncomfortable for people that are witnessing it. There's usually a lot of deep, deep trauma under that. So it can be cured. It takes time. 
it's not a one size fits all, especially if the trauma is deep. Um, my work is lifetime and I'm committed to that and I accept it. So I think a lot of compassion and ex- self-acceptance comes into play here. Um, and that's where mindfulness comes in. You know, mindfulness has been proven to, and yoga have been proven to be amazingly powerful mm-hmm. tools for trauma healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really a testament to that. And, and my clients are a testament to that. So there is a way out, but, mm-hmm. and no one likes hearing this. And I know mm-hmm. you're very um, adept at this kind mm-hmm. of mantra. The only mm-hmm. way out is in. Yeah. Um, and if you keep going for the escape and you keep trying to run from yourself, you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to live a life of exhaustion. You're going to yeah. feel very beat up and you're going to mm-hmm. feel very isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's not the answer a lot of people like to hear, but when you start diving in a little bit deeper, um, and cultivating that self-awareness, um, and bringing lots of compassion to that practice, you will find something on the other side and it, and it might be slow going, but I always say like slow and steady wins the race. And this is definitely not a race that you want to be running a marathon because trauma work is, it's, it's very emotionally taxing. Mm -hmm. It's mentally and emotionally taxing. And then I would also encourage people. um, I see a lot of people give up when they get in the hands of the wrong person Mm -hmm. and like anything else, you know, finding a lawyer to um, fight for something on your behalf in court, finding that right doctor for you. It's the same thing with anything therapeutically, even a yoga teacher. You have to find the right fit and that can take time. So I encourage people not to give up on that because just because somebody has a five-star rating of being one of the best trauma therapists out there, they might not resonate with you. And it doesn't mean that you're failing. It just means they're not right for you. And you just have to do a little bit more legwork and find someone who's a better fit for you. And you'll always know because your body knows, Yeah, you know, you just have to learn to trust and listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Um, Pay attention. You know, if you're tightening up and you're angry and you're, um, almost going into a fight or flight response, working with a practitioner, (laughs) they're not for you. And that's okay. They're not for you. You want to feel very relaxed and safe. Yeah. We all are in it. Yeah. We all are energy beings. So basically we can actually feed off each other's energies. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. what happens with trauma is you stop trusting yourself and Mm -hmm. you're out of your body. It's a very Mm -hmm. out of body experience. We're not connected. Um, And, you know, so the goal of deep trauma work is to get us back into the body and back to that connection. And then you will certainly reconnect with your intuition and learn to trust yourself. Because a lot of times when we're in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, which is the trauma Mm -hmm. response, right? Stuck in our limbic system. So the back of the brain, that primal reptilian brain. Um, how can you be connected when you're in survival mode? I mean, and we're all, we all experience this. We're in a global pandemic. Many yeah. people are like, I've never felt this way before. They're probably people who've never really had that solid experience. Good for them of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of a trauma response. And a lot of people, this is very traumatic. Yes. You know, we're seeing suicide rates skyrocket, domestic violence, child mm-hmm. abuse, substance abuse, we're seeing numbers we've never seen before because 
we're being forced into isolation. There's yes. heightened disconnection. Uh, from a mental health standpoint, I'm not a big fan of social distancing. I think the term should be physical distancing. No one needs, no one needs to socially distance right now. We need to be um, strategizing how we're going to stay connected socially because it's a life, it's life support. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's really, it's really our lifeline. And a lot of people are basically saying that old wounds are actually reopening. And uh, basically all emotions are coming back because of being isolated. Some people, like you mentioned, um, they in in relationships where there's violence amongst, um, between two people that are supposedly, um, supposed to be loving each other, but they're not. And so what if, um, okay, let's go back to that. Does trauma re- resurface in situations like this? Because I mean, all the wounds actually come Absolutely. Yeah. Um, for m- many people, not mm-hmm. all, we've had a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. And what happens there is you start to, you're triggered, something triggers you mm-hmm. and a memory comes or you're thinking about things you never thought before because you're, you know, we all become very adept at staying busy. And mm-hmm. especially in America, we're a very young culture, you know, produce, produce, go, go, do, do, um, mm-hmm. work, work. And so you're always sidestepping mm-hmm. any type of pain or suffering and never really being able to dive deep into it. So there were a lot of people saying to me, I'm thinking about things that I haven't thought about since I've been a kid. Or I okay. remember this thing that happened with my you know, mother And Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's coming from. Um, When there's something as large scale as this globally, it's very common for you to be personally and individually triggered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, that's actually quite interesting because sometimes we actually take a lot of things for granted, you know? Um, We do. And we're multifaceted beings. And I think that there's been a heightened consciousness and awakening happening during this, maybe more um, exposed for some people, like, oh, yes. I, I know, you know, people really noticing a lot and maybe more subtle for other people. But yes. nine out of 10 times when I'm talking to someone, they're very aware that this has been, um, this global pandemic has been a catalyst for deep um, healing work, not necessarily yes. trauma, but just deep healing work personally. Yes. And that's actually a good thing because mm-hmm. the more the collective does heal, um, especially the generational trauma wounds, the the better it is for you know my children and my children's children and all of the next generations to come. Yeah. I so agree. although it's hard work, it's valuable work um, and it's sacred work. Yeah, yeah. It's actually better to actually heal generations instead of generations taking. Uh, baggage with them along the way. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to somebody that does not have access to resources? Because not not everyone have access to a phone. It could be simple for some. And I mean, you could, um, like you mentioned that all of the the contact details are on the internet. They can just uh, up on the internet and get the contact details and call, call the hotlines and things like that but not everyone has access. So what advice would you give to somebody like that? Not everyone has access. Um, you, I think a lot of people are afraid to speak out um, because of judgment. 
or um, other reasons. It could be, I'm, I, I don't want to be, me- you know, they're going to medicate me. They're going to tell me I'm crazy or, you know, I, I've heard all of these things. Mm-hmm. People give someone in your life that you trust implicitly and someone who is safe for you a chance to listen. I think most people would be surprised that mm-hmm. help is right in front of them and they just can't see it. So if okay. you don't have access to the internet, there usually there's someone within your circle that you can say, I need, I need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, or they know someone with a phone to say, can I borrow your phone? I, I, I need to look something up. Um, that's, you know, this is, this is an emergency situation and I need to, to look something up and they can get themselves, you know, a phone number. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this is not, I understand that not everybody has insurance or the ability to see a licensed counselor or therapist, mm-hmm. but I can't stress enough that the amount of free, re- the, the, one of the gifts of the pandemic, in my humble opinion, is that there are so many more free resources now. Yes. Um, so you'll be surprised at every turn of the corner in neighborhoods, there's something there, food pantries. So if someone doesn't have, um, you know, the ability to, or the money for food, um, food pantries, phoning a friend, going to a trusted family member, um, getting that one phone number. Usually it takes just one phone call mm-hmm. and, and it's very specific to the trauma. So if it's mental health, you would call that number. If it's a food pantry, there's that. But also if they didn't feel like they could trust a family member or friend, which is also very common, go to a religious or non-religious organization in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily need to be like, I have a lot of non-denominational churches around Mm me Mm -hmm. um, or some kind of um, spiritual affiliation or some kind of group that you know that exists in the community. Um, It just takes that one initial conversation. And I have found that once somebody gets over the hump of that initial conversation, they, the relief that they feel inside, you hear that a lot from um, young people going through suicidal ideation. We're mm-hmm. trained to actually ask, I'm trained in QPR. Mm-hmm. And so in that training, I am to ask the person outright, are you thinking of taking your life? Do you want to kill yourself? That we used to not ever be able to ask that because wow. the idea was you're going to put it in their head. The minute you ask that question, that person actually feels relief. Oh, I can, I I can unburden myself now. This person's in my head. They, Mm -hmm. they, they're thinking it's there and you ask the question and then they get to answer and you'll be surprised. The, the act, there's actually statistics. I don't have them on me right now, but the statistics are higher than you would think of people that say, yes, I am. I'm thinking of taking my life. Wow. It's actually quite common. Yeah, yes. it, 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 it seems counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. we've actually found over the last few years that this has been way more functional by being extremely direct and forthcoming. And then clearly, um, so think about it this way. So I'm counseling you, right? You're, you have suicidal ideation. I don't ask you, so I don't know. I'm thinking it in my head, but I don't know. You walk away from me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what, and I don't want that on my head if something happened to you and I don't know what you're going to do, but now I've asked you, 
So even if you start to be wishy-washy and waver in your answer, I'm not leaving your side. Yeah. I'm going to make a phone call and I'm going to get you help right there in that moment. So the uh, statistics of saving a life by asking the direct question has actually been um, way more productive and helpful. Mm. Yeah. Uh, with with the, my experience, I actually noticed that women are more open to talking about their feelings, even if they're yes. going through something traumatic, they're more open to, uh, to talk about it. But yes. men in general, they basically, they're too scared to open up because I guess we live in a society, they were actually uh, conditioned to think that it's weak if they actually open up and tell, tell a person how they're feeling. Yeah. Do you have, um, uh, although I actually created a group only for women, but that's for the yoga sessions, mm-hmm. this platform is actually for both men and women. And I would, I would actually, um, I would really appreciate you actually giving the men advice as well and telling them that um, it's not weak to actually open up and ask yeah. for help, you know? So for all our men out there, um, we do a lot of work with within the domestic violence arena and suicide for my full-time job. And mm-hmm. men have the highest rate of suicide, actually white males between wow. a specific age. Again, I don't have that off the top of my head. And um, it is because they feel weak and they feel that they can't reach out. And then there are a lot of men who are abused by their partner. And oftentimes, unfortunately, we think that it's a woman being abused by a man. And I was actually in court one day for a um, for a um, harassment dispute. And this boy, young boy, like 17 years old was there with his family. And thank goodness he had uh, the, uh, such a supportive family. He -hmm. was being beaten by his girlfriend and he was there to get a restraining order. And Mm -hmm. in a courtroom full of all women pursuing Mm -hmm. restraining orders, he was the only guy. And I walked up to him and gave him the biggest hug. And I commended his mother and father. And I said, I am so proud of you that you were brave enough to be here today. That must have been so hard. So for all of our men out there, I am so compassionate and empathetic to the idea of, I can't even imagine how hard it is for a man in this world to talk about emotions um, Mm -hmm. that are very deep or to have to say, you know, I'm, I'm the one being abused. Um, Mm -hmm. But please know that this is way more common than you would think you're not alone. And there are actually men's groups, just men's groups out there in all of the mental health arenas. And you can just look up like a men's group for for domestic violence, a men's group for suicide. um, And those resources are out there now. So that way, because, you know, co-ed situation might be very uncomfortable. Um, And and there are a lot of very powerful men who've come out the other side of all of this and learned to embrace their, um, their emotions and be able to express them in a really healthful, healthy way and still stay in their masculinity. Um, Mm -hmm. And they run these groups and they excel at what they do. And um, we're seeing these groups a lot more in my county, in the state of New Jersey, where I live in the United States, and they've been wildly successful. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So we actually do know, um, I'm not sure whether there's any 
interrelated uh, or any link between anxiety, stress, and trauma. Because I actually did have a lady last week sometime, we actually spoke about anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. and, and um, yeah, basically uh, emotional health. So we do know the signs if we're actually looking for something in, um, along those lines in somebody yeah. else. Is it something totally different to, um, to actually noticing the signs in someone that's actually going through it? Or is it along the same lines, similar? Well, most people that are enduring an excessive amount of trauma, there's, mm-hmm. uh, a, um, like I said, it can go one of two ways, but the mostly people withdraw. There's mm-hmm. an enormous amount of withdrawal and self-isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, it could go the other way and they could become extremely extroverted. Um, mm-hmm. You might see an extreme in emotions where they could be diagnosed as like bipolar. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'm, in my experience, what I'm seeing and I feel strongly about is that a lot of these people that are being diagnosed mm-hmm. have such severe trauma that's never really been targeted. Um, No one's ever really sat them down and talked to them about their trauma and their life and where they came from and what happened. Um, Validation is huge. You know, we all need to be validated. Someone whose reality has been denied, that goes very hand in hand with trauma. You know, imagine a little kid being abused and then trying to tell someone or trying to talk to the abuser and that person saying like that, that, that doesn't happen. I don't do that. I don't say that. You're a liar. You make up stories. So there's a lot of denial of someone's reality. You'll see that a lot with narcissistic abuse. Um, And so most of the time, there's this uh, real deep need to withdraw, to isolate. They become very antisocial. but it can be expressed in a lot of different ways. I've seen a lot of youngsters become very sexually active um, because that's their sense of love and validation. I need to feel loved. I wanna feel approved. I wanna feel validated. Um, Post-traumatic stress goes hand in hand with trauma. Think of a Vietnam vet. And so there could be um, memories either can't can't recall anything or cannot stop remembering like they literally live they're living the trauma every single day they just can't get away from it Mm -hmm. um one of the best things I've ever done and I've ever worked through was I had a a therapist work through a um, post-traumatic stress workbook with me Mm -hmm. it was really deep work and you're doing it on your own. Like that was my homework in between sessions, but I'll tell you what, it was an amazing tool and I got it off of Amazon. So this was not like a fancy thing. It didn't cost me a hundred dollars. It was like a 15, $20 book off of Amazon. It was, I literally Googled post-traumatic stress disorder workbook and it came up. I saw that it was available on Amazon and we worked through it together. So I just don't want anybody walking away thinking like that the tools and the resources need to be grandiose and big and fancy. Mm -hmm. Um, These tools can be very basic and they're very accessible, but I will caution that if you're working through a workbook like that, that you are working with some kind of licensed practitioner Mm -hmm. um, because it, it, it's trauma work is heavy work. And the whole goal is to get you out of the trauma, but also just to lighten the burden of the heart, you know, because that, that heart chakra is so, so blocked.
Okay, you we actually lost Kerry there. Mm, let me just double check. Kerry. I'm gonna start again maybe. Do do do. Okay, Carrie, your connection is not very good. Um, I'm not sure what's going on today. <laughs> Do you want to actually log off and maybe log on again? Okay. I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, I'm going to ask Carrie to log back on. I'm going to check Facebook to check if there's any um, questions from you guys. And we're going to take it from there. Okay. Thank you for your patience. So I actually have about two questions here, but I can't see anything. Okay, yes. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> that was funny because I was there and I'm like, I guess I'm, I got lost somewhere in translation. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm not sure what happened. You just froze. So, okay. yeah. But anyway, thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, yeah. So I was saying the heart, um, you know, doing a lot of work on that heart chakra, that bridge between the lower and, and, and uh, upper energy centers. Um, it's very hard to stay open and connected when mm -hmm. you've, you know, really suffered some, some deep trauma. So, um, and, and, a lot, and, and, and some of this can be done, some of that can be done on your own. Um, but a lot of times having an expert to guide you is, um, really helpful. And I do find that you will move through it a little bit more quickly if you have a, a, a safe, a safety net. Oh, wow. Thank you. Wow. And um, you gave us a lot of information, which is actually yeah. very, uh, very, I think very informative, not just informative, but also very helpful sure. to both, both men and women, because sometimes most of us, not only a certain sex, we are in denial even if you're going through something, it takes us a long to actually admit that we are going through something. Yes. So how would you, what advice you would give to, to the third party, like us, if we- So um, the heroes are always the most concerning. The heroes mm -hmm. that do not know how to ask help. And I was one of them. Um, mm -hmm. It's usually the strongest people that mm -hmm. are suffering the most, I have found. Um, mm -hmm. And so my advice to them is there's two choices. You can continue to suffer and exhaust yourself doing it alone. Um, whether there's that martyr complex, I'm doing it all by myself or such a fear of, of looking weak or disappointing people. And I think that's very common. 
Um, what's going to happen with that type A, very young person, is they're going to exhaust themselves until they get into the hands of the right um, help. And it is, it is, it takes, it takes so much more strength to say, I need help. Mm -hmm. And also for people who are more private um, and have trouble with vulnerability, remember you can get help and no one needs to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't have to post it on social media. You don't need to tell all your friends. No one needs to know. You can get yourself help privately and still be perceived, you know, if you, if you're really holding on to that perception and I'm not saying that arrogantly because I understand if you're the VP of a huge corporation and you're overseeing hundreds of employees and you are the glue holding everything together, you falling apart is not very ideal, but mm. you falling apart and keep and suffering in silence is also not ideal. So those type of people really have to learn to, um, you know, kind of put the oxygen mask on first. Mm -hmm. And again, it can be done privately. Um, this doesn't need to be, not everybody needs to know what you're doing. I put myself more out there because it just happens to be the line of work. And I feel like sharing my personal experience is more helpful. Mm -hmm. I'm also in this, um, I'm in the mental health field. So it only helps my profession but it could hinder somebody's profession. Okay. So, you know, don't, don't suffer in silence, please get, you know, ask for help. And if you need to do it privately, do it, do it privately, but don't suffer because you're, you're not helping anyone around you, especially if children are involved. Yeah, true. So how can we help somebody that's going through trauma? Someone that doesn't still does not want to open up. They, they, they prefer living in silence and I think they're so used to living that way maybe it's also generation to generation so how would you actually um advise us to help that person without the hardest lesson that I've ever had to learn is mm -hmm. is is sitting back and watching people that I love suffer and unfortunately sometimes it may come to that what you can do what I do um mm -hmm. and what I've been trained to do is saying to that person, I feel like you're really suffering. Um, I would love, I would love to, I'm here, you know, I'd love to listen. I'd love for you to talk. I'd love to listen. Um, I'd love for you to share whatever mm -hmm. you need. I'm here for you. I think mm -hmm. that reassurance on occasion is really helpful because you're mm -hmm. still, because they're setting a boundary, right? Mm -hmm. They're setting a boundary. They have a wall up. That's their boundary. And yeah. we can only honor someone's boundaries. Now, if mm -hmm. suicide is involved and you know a person's suicidal, that's a different story. Confidentiality, all those rules go out the window. Mm -hmm. But if they just have this boundary and you, you really can't break it um, because healing is a choice and, mm -hmm. and, and getting help is a choice and getting well is a choice. But what you can do is let them know that you're there. Um, you're not going anywhere. Because mm -hmm. even if they're not saying it, it is mm -hmm. so um, helpful to know that you have someone on your side should you need that help mm -hmm. and support. And when that person's ready, they will. They mm -hmm. will. It's been my experience. I've seen it very often, especially lately. Just every once in a while, give that reminder. Um, let them know. Um, sometimes I actually would leave resources on my friend's coffee table. 
mm. like a pamphlet and not say anything before I was leaving. I would just put it on the table and walk out and I would get a text or phone call. Did you leave that there? Well, I just thought, you know, it would be good that you knew that these people existed and that you, you had somewhere to go. You can do something as subtle as that. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't force someone into recovery. Okay. You can't force someone into wellness. You can't force someone into healing, but you can live by example. And that's mm -hmm. our most powerful tool is really being a role model and walking the talk and not just, you know, airtime, not just lecturing. I have two, I have two teenage daughters and sometimes I'm guilty of lecturing. And so <laughs> I've been in my place often enough to know that lecturing does not work. But then they'll watch me and they'll say, well, I saw you do that. And that mm -hmm. worked really well for you. I think I'm going to try it. Very, very good advice. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. So You're I welcome. want to, we actually, um, oh, yes, before we come to the end, can you please give us some tools to help us heal from trauma? A lot yes. of us actually have trauma within, and we don't even know it's trauma. Yes. We just Because it actually became a normality. So what advice do you have for us to heal? From feel this? your feelings, feel your feelings, feel your feelings. Um, it's very easy to stuff it down with alcohol, drugs, sex, food, um, socializing, keeping busy, feel your feelings, you know, cry in the car, cry in the shower, cry in the bathroom. If those are the, steal those moments and let it out. Uh, mm -hmm. beat, beat the crap out of a pillow. I'm very big into somatic work. Um, mm -hmm go punch a punching bag, take a bat to a pillow. I worked with a psychotherapist in Canada and he's like, you need to beat up your pillow. And I was like, you're right. You know, um, mm -hmm. the best advice I got sometimes working through trauma was people giving me permission to rage and be angry and feel, but to, you had to get it out. So, you know, go to the batting cages or go for a run. Um, so expressing it somatically is one mm -hmm. of the best things that you could do for yourself. Um, and that way we're not hurting ourselves and we're not hurting other people, whether it's physically or with our words. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy is by far the best form of therapy for trauma. Um, I've, I've seen um, DBT used in REBT, but CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, literally rewires the brain. It takes neuroplasticity into consideration. We now know that our brain is not this hard, um, you know, glob in our head, but it's actually malleable like Play-Doh. Um, taking someone out of the environment. So if you have the ability to move or escape or quit the job, I'm not telling anyone to quit their job and I'm not telling anyone to leave their home in an abusive situation, taking the risk of, incurring more harm, please have a strategy and a plan and work with a licensed professional. But if you can take yourself out of the environment, a lot of trauma is environmental. Get mm -hmm. that person out of the abusive home, put them into a loving home. You have a whole different experience now. And also um, Bessel van der Kolk is like the godfather of trauma. His book, mm -hmm. The Body Keeps the Score, I recommend everybody read it if you're interested in this and you want to go deeper, especially if you're a yoga practitioner or in the mental health field and you haven't read it yet. Mm -hmm. And Bessel did um, a lot of studies and it is proven scientifically that yoga heals trauma better than any form of therapy or any pharmaceutical on the market. 
And you will wow. read that in this book. It's a fact. Now I say yoga and a combination of, um, I'm not just saying yoga, but yoga is that wildly therapeutic because it's so deeply somatic. It's so nurturing and nourishing to the nervous system. And we know that we want to get people out of their primal brain and back to that prefrontal cortex and into the rational brain. And don't beat yourself up. I mean, it is so easy to, to dive into self-deprecation because so many of us as trauma survivors, it, we've been blamed for so long that we are convinced it was us. And trauma mm -hmm. is never that person's fault. Um, we were at the mercy in the hands of people who didn't know any better. Again, mostly generational. So you'll mm -hmm. see that cycle in your own family dynamic. Um, it's never your fault. Um, and if you're a trauma survivor in terms of a natural disaster or even a death in the family and feeling like it should have been me, kind of the same premise still um, still holds to, to, to that you know trauma survivor um, feeling like it should have it should have been me and it shouldn't have been the other people. Um, take a deep breath, connect with your breath. Your breath is your anchor. It keeps you grounded and present. And um, know that help is out there and, and be big enough to ask for help. Um, and stay the course and don't give up. Please don't give up because um, it's usually when it gets the hardest and you feel like you're gonna break and you can't take it anymore that you're you know ready for the breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Wow, thanks. So I, I, we actually have quite a few people watching and uh, right. hopefully they're also taking your advice. But before I go to the questions, this, there's just one question on our page. Mm -hmm. I want to, just want to recap everything that you mentioned. I, I actually never take a lot of notes because whatever you were saying was actually quite um, interesting for me. And I thought mm -hmm. just, we'd rather just go with the flow and instead of jotting everything down, we also need to feel like you just mentioned. So Kerry, I lost you. Oh, you're there. Okay. So basically you mentioned that trauma is emotional and a lot of, a lot of humans, as a human nature, I think, we, uh, we choose to suffer. It's a suffering experience. And um, so we need to work internally in order for that to actually show outside, whether mm -hmm. it could be our outer appearance or the people that we attract, the people and the situations that we attract in our lives. Yes. And I do agree with that um, because it's, we, we actually manifest a lot in our minds before it actually manifests out there. Yes. So we all have to, we have to go, we owe it to ourselves to delve within. And even with my yoga, my, my yoga students are also telling the same thing. And I, I actually love Shavasana because that's the time you actually get them to relax and let go. Yes, we, absolutely. We tend to, yeah, we tend to hold on to a lot and we don't know when to let go. And we even take on... Um, problems that is not actually ours so we just need to let go release yeah um okay let's go to the question um i'll actually mention the lady's name my name is bhakti she says uh well she asks how do how do you dive deeper especially when you're much older and it's difficult to even want to go to go to that place 
Bhakti is the name, right? Yeah, Bhakti, Bhakti yes. thank you for that question. It, it actually does, in my experience, I find it does get harder as you um, get older. Um, so I commend you for even just being on here and being interested. I think that's a huge step. And you have the awareness. I would actually recommend journaling. I would recommend writing her feelings down, setting a timer. Um, so she's not pressured. Like, I don't like that. Like, you know, fill five pages or write for, for a half an hour, but I like setting a timer in the beginning for a small amount of time, because I think she'll be very surprised how much she gets down on paper in say five or 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think journaling is one of the most, um, private and mm -hmm. easeful ways. And if writing isn't her thing, pictures. Mm -hmm. She can even put pictures of family members and write mm -hmm. like a little, this is how you made me feel, like forgiveness work. This is how mm -hmm. you made me feel. I might not forgive you now, but I want to forgive you, right? That's step one. Or the picture of a family member and I don't like you at all. I don't know if I'm ever gonna like you. And that's it for that day. That's trauma work. You don't have to forgive right away. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be all perfect. You know, I have one journal. That's my not so nice journal. I don't always say a lot of nice things in that journal. But what I do try to do is go to my, my other journal of what I'm grateful for, what I have in my life, what I have overcome. Because I do think it's important sometimes to express the other stuff. Um, that's part of the somatic work because trauma is so stuck in our cellular memory. Mm -hmm. And Bhakti, yeah. please let us know if you do try the journaling, how it works for you. I'd be, and, and for her being older, um, just talking it out to a trusted friend, someone mm -hmm. who's em empathetically listening, not mm -hmm. surface level listening, you know, not listening and running their own tape in their head, but yeah. standing in the presence of someone where you know you're being heard and validated. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those are great first steps for her. And I really commend Bhakti for even taking the steps because some people just feel like, well, it's just too late, you know, on this age and why even bother? Mm. I actually like that because I feel when we delve within, you actually get to know your real self better. And yeah, it's intimate yeah. practice. Exactly. And when you're doing it, when you're actually doing this internal practice, um, you get, you tend to also feel other people's feelings. So you'll know who to open up to and who not to open up to. Exactly. So I actually like that. Yeah. Well, discretion goes out the window with trauma. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to not have a high level of discretion, which is why we continually attract traumatic mm -hmm. events. So yeah. when you become more intimate with yourself and you embody who you are and you're more deeply connected to your body, that level of discretion goes up, intuition heightens, your antennas are kind of refined mm -hmm. and you tend to attract much better experiences. And it just takes time and practice. Yeah. So I'm just trying to check whether we have any more questions from our viewers. I think everyone is a bit shy. Oh, there's one more, okay. She says, thank you. Uh, thank you, Kerry. We'll let you know how the, about the journaling. So that's good. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Okay. Before we close up, I think our talk went quite long. And I knew that when I was actually putting all of these questions together, I yeah, said three questions is going to be yeah, too little. Five questions also going to be too little because it's quite a broad, um, it's a quite broad, a broad topic. topic. 
Yeah. So maybe I will actually ask my uh, my group whether they would actually like something more uh, more about this topic in sure. the future. Yeah, and we could do this again. And before we close, um, can you share your links with the viewers? And if, if you also have any tools that you would like to share with them, whether it's written or verbal, if you could share that um, with us. Well, I think, I think if you're a reader, try to read that book, The Body Keeps the Score, um, mm -hmm. because there's lots of, you'll have lots of revelations and you'll actually, I remember sighing these deep sighs of relief, like, oh my gosh, like this is why I think that way. This is why I behave that way. Cause our behavior is so greatly affected by, by trauma. Um, so that was a very helpful book. My website is Soul Purpose Wellness. Um, and then my Facebook, they can just look up my name, Carrie Holshue and friend me. Um, I pretty much accept all friend requests unless the person looks super, super shady. <laughs> and then I'm on Instagram as Wellness. Would it be possible for you to just type all of that on the, in the comment section? Absolutely. So it would be easy yep. for them to, to look for you. Okay, Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I thank you okay. so much for this opportunity. You're doing amazing work. I think that women helping women, women healing women is, is so important as that divine feminine rises. And, um, and I'm, I'm just so glad, you know, there's, there's definitely somebody up above that connected us. So I'm, I'm of very course. grateful. I yeah. actually do agree because I mean, when I initially thought about this, it was just, as I said, it was a light bulb moment when I thought about it and I put this group together, but then I also thought to myself, it's women's month and it'll be nice for women to come together to support each other, help each other. And because I know normally women are, um, the, although we know we are actually the same in so many ways, but we're still very uh, threatened by each other. We're not sure why. I, I have to get, it to, get someone to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But I thought this is actually a very good platform to show each other that we're all on the same boat. Even though this old pandemic as well, we are all a year for each other. And we should just show love, respect, and support to each other. And also to the men the men as well. And that is why I actually thought of actually having these talks on my page and we should not isolate them because they also need this as much as us. Absolutely. Mental health is a universal thing. Traumas, yeah. uh, traumas, trauma universal. I, I often say nobody really gets out alive. I mean, we really don't ever get out alive, but we don't, uh, most people um, incur suffering. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and, and so if that's a commonality, then, then I'd like to continue to work towards breaking the stigma for men and women um, and having these harder discussions because mm -hmm. um, it's necessary. It's really necessary work. Yeah, that's true. Thank you once again, Carrie. And Thank you uh, so much. Yeah. Before we go, um, just to let the, our viewers know, you're going to be on, um, on my Facebook group teaching a yoga session on how to release trauma. That'll yes. be on Wednesday at six o'clock South African time. But I will yes. share the I will share the links to my pay uh, to my group if you're not already on that. Okay. And if, Perfect. Yeah. Yes. And also, Perfect. if you um, unable to attend that session, the replay will be available, so you can always go on to it. But Perfect. Thank you so much. And also Perfect. share the page, share the pages, share the groups, and show some love. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much, Gary. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.